We are um, in a good season, in a busy season, a lot of good things that God is up to right now and how he is changing people's lives. I was, um, I was contacted by somebody in our church this morning who asked to speak with me for a couple of minutes after our first service, and, and we spoke together. And, um, and I'm not going to share details because it's a private matter, but, but, but it's amazing what God does in certain moments. This week, I'll come back to that, but this week, I was really wondering, am I going to do one more Sunday in Proverbs, which is where we've been for a couple weeks, or am I going to move on to the next book, Ecclesiastes, and, and jump into that and, and teach through that? And I, I had a sense from the Lord that I was supposed to do one more week in the book of Proverbs. So I was like, okay. And uh, so we'll get to Ecclesiastes next week. And, um, but, but with that, I was like, well, what in the world am I going to talk about, right? That there's all these good themes in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I shared on the biggest one last week about the words that we use and the power of our words. But, but, but I was like, what, what's it going to be for this week? And, and I had a distinct sense from the Holy Spirit of a specific one that he, he, he wanted me to share with all of you today. And as I said last week, the, the biggest topic in Scripture about the words has just under 60 different verses or passages in the book of Proverbs about it. This one has, I think it's 46 or 47 verses or passages, so it's one of the bigger ones as well. And, um, and, and I'm just going to, well, let me go to the title first. The title for today is The Construction of Correction. Everybody say that with me. The Construction of, there we go. Let's do it one more time. The Construction of Correction. I have a question. How many here want to be more like Jesus? Amen. I want to be more like Jesus. And let me make very clear. You will not become more like Jesus except for your willingness to be corrected. How many in this room love being corrected? Is there anybody that actually enjoys it in the room? Yeah, I'm not getting any hands. See, the first two services, there were a lot of hands, and I couldn't figure out if they were liars or, uh, or what was going on. But, but if you love correction, you're like, holy and humble, and, and you can be corrected, and you're like, amen, hallelujah, praise God. You are amazing. God bless you, and this message is not for you. You can sleep for the next 30 minutes, okay? But for the rest of us who have difficulty with being corrected, this is for us. And, and let me once again make clear that for us to be constructed, to be formed into the image of Jesus, it requires that we be what? Corrected. We have to be corrected. And, and let me say something about correction before we jump into the verses. I love being in the presence of God. I love times of prayer with him, love being in his word. Those are wonderful things. But can I just tell you right now, 
that those times are not the primary locations where I'm corrected? The primary locations where I'm corrected is in the difficult stuff, is in the middle of my difficult attitudes. In fact, I can look back on my life two specific times that God spoke to me, spoken to me more than twice, but two memorable times that God has spoken to me, and those two times were both correcting times. They were both times where I went to the Lord with complaints, and he gave me like a holy, supernatural slap in the face. He's like, Jeff, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, no. And then I'm like, God, you're right. (laughs) The reality is, if you've actually thought about it, we learn more if we're open to it in the difficult times than we learn in the easy times. We change more in the struggles than we do when everything is easy and simple. Your body changes because of exercise, right? It gets in better condition through the struggle, through corrective action that carries pain with it. Let me be clear that if you and I are going to become more like Jesus, and once again, who wants it? You are going to have to suffer through, you heard me right, suffer through correction. Correction is not an easy thing. Correction is not a fun thing, but it is a necessary thing. And let me say one other thing. We live in a world right now where it seems like the idea of correction is almost non-existent. And this is actually really important to understand. Because we have one of two extremes. Either on one extreme, everybody is walking around on eggshells with somebody else, right? Because you're afraid of their reaction if you're to correct them. So we have in this world parents that no longer correct their kids. Well, whatever they say, whoever they want to be, whatever they want to do, it's all good, you know, just whatever. And and it's like parents are even afraid of their kids nowadays. And then... And, and in, the, in other ways, too, bosses that don't want to correct people because they're afraid that, that you know, that they're going to get into a situation or be accused of something. So, so we've completely eliminated the idea, the concept of correction in the world. And then some of you are like, well, no, no, but my boss isn't like that. It's the other extreme. And I agree. The other extreme, which is all abusive, which is horrible and mistreating people, but this middle ground, which is the biblical ground, which is to correct with grace, is something that has been lost in our culture. So it's either one side, completely ruin a person's life, or it's the other side, don't say anything, don't do anything. But there is a biblical way of living in this world, and that's what I want to share today. Is anybody with me? That we would be people who both correct others with grace if it pertains to us, and that we would also be people who are always open to correction. And let me just tell you, you could have the worst boss in the world that gets up and corrects you in the completely wrong way, makes fun of you, shames you, embarrasses you in front of everybody. And that is horrible. But let me tell you that as a believer, you can still learn something from it. 
even from the worst experiences, you and I as believers can still say, Lord, show me what you want to do in me in this. The Lord is always teaching us. Tell somebody close to you, the Lord is always teaching. He is. And so I want to get into this today. And, and what was amazing to me is that the Lord shown me that this is what he wanted to share today with us. And then after the first service, a gentleman came up to me to talk to me about a family member that was going in the wrong direction in something and how the Lord spoke to them, corrected them, and how they moved back into the right direction. I mean, I was like, wow, talk about a confirmation of what I'm preaching about. And he had, when he asked to meet with me, he had no idea what the message today was going to be about. But God was saying, this is it. And we, if we would become humble and be open to correction, the Lord will do amazing things in our lives. And I know that some of us in this room, because it happens to me too, somebody corrects you and you're like, I know, I know, I know, all right? Got it. How many have done that before? Or some of you are the experts at rolling your eyes. Somebody corrects you, are like. <sighs> some of you, you're like, You've already told me that. And the other person is like, yeah, but you haven't started doing it yet. That's why I keep on telling you, right? The reality is, oh, no, how about this one? We're just like, fine, whatever. You know, anybody do that? Conversation's over. But I want to get the heart of Jesus to be a people who are willing to be corrected so we can grow into the ways of Jesus. So he can construct us to become more and more like him. I got a lot of verses. We're going to be primarily just in the book of Proverbs, but we're going to jump around a lot. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8 says the following. The wise are glad to be instructed. Glad. Glad. I mean, any of you, like if your kids spanked you, if your parents spanked you, you walked up to your parents and your dad is like, I'm going to spank you now. And you're like, praise Jesus. It's the best day of my life. <laughs> Glad to be instructed. But babbling fools fall flat on their faces. This is an important verse to understand. Because we can either be wise or we can be fools. I would rather be wise. Ask somebody close to you and tell them, are you a wise person or a fool? You don't have to answer, all right? You'd be like, I am holy. Jesus has made me holy. I am good. I want to be wise. I don't want to be a fool. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says the following. To learn, you must what? Love, okay, who in their right minds loves discipline? I mean, come on. I mean, a lot of us accept it, we receive it, but love it, love it, enjoy it. To learn, you must love discipline, and it is stupid to hate correction. Let's go on, chapter 13, 
verse 1 says, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. I know there's a lot of parents that are like thinking about their kids right next to them. You're saying, oh, praise God, the pastor's talking about my kids right now. Oh, yes. Can I just tell you right now, kids, I am on your side, okay? Teenagers, I love all of you in this room. And you just need to know that what I'm going to say right now is very important. While you are listening to this message, this is to everybody in the room. Are you ready? I want you to consider not thinking about anybody else but you. So like no husband's going, oh, praise God, the pastor is talking about correction. And my wife is sitting right here in the name of Jesus. May she open up her heart and listen to this message that the Lord is destined for her on this Sunday. And then I know the wife is sitting right next to the husband going, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I know he thinks right now I'm the problem, but he doesn't get it. He is the problem. So, Lord, he needs an even bigger work in his heart. And so there's some parents thinking about kids. There's husbands thinking about wives, wives about husbands. Can I just tell you today that you have no control over anybody else except for you? And that you would allow this message to come to your own heart and let God deal with you. Don't worry about anybody else. Let the Lord deal with you today. The second part of that verse 1, chapter 13, says a mocker refuses to listen to correction. Verse 10 of the same chapter says pride leads to conflict. Everybody say the word conflict. When you are not open to correction, the end result is going to be conflict. You know, I, I'm so grateful, to be honest. I'm so grateful that the family I come from, my parents, my brothers, all love Jesus. And I'm grateful that my wife's family, her brothers, her parents, all love Jesus. And all of them get along. The siblings get along. The relationships with the parents are healthy. Perfect? No, never, but healthy. And that actually both of our extended families get along with each other, so that's great news as well. And, and that happens because both of our families are filled with people that are humble enough to listen to the Lord, no matter what way the Lord brings the message, to be transformed, to become more like him, and it leads to less conflict. There is more conflict where there are more people who aren't walking the way that Jesus desires. And let me tell you today that God can use anybody and anything to correct you. He can use your husband or wife, parent. He can even, to the parents in the room, he can use your children to correct you. You don't have to admit it in the service today, but I know that that's happened. He can use a pastor. He can use a leader in the church. He can use a boss. He can use a person who knows Jesus, and he can even use a person who doesn't know Jesus to correct you. He can use anyone and anything because he is the God that even used a donkey to correct somebody in Scripture. And if God uses donkeys, well, then he can use anybody. And so understand that the ways that God corrects are up to him, but we should always have an open heart to his Correction. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are what? Wise. Chapter 15, verse 10 says the following. 
Whoever abandons the right path will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will what? Die. Understand that the end result of being a person who hates correction is death. Now, the first part of that Proverbs is actually really important because how many of us along the way of knowing Jesus have abandoned the right path? Here, I'm not talking about losing salvation. That's another topic completely separate. I'm just simply talking about that we abandon the good path of God and go in a direction that we shouldn't be going in, even though you know Jesus. Has that happened to anybody before? It's happened to me. And in those cases, God severely disciplines us in order to get us back on the right path. He doesn't kill us, praise Jesus. He severely disciplines us. But the second one leads to death for an important reason, because a person who hates correction is a person that will never be open to Jesus, is a person that will never be open to the ways of God, and so their end leads to death in their lives. Let's continue on. Chapter 16, verse 20, says the following, those who listen to instruction will prosper, those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Does anybody want to prosper in this life? I want to prosper. I want to prosper in my heart. I want to prosper in my mind. I want to prosper in my relationships. I want to prosper in every way in my life. Does anybody else want to prosper? Anybody else want to be joyful in your life? To walk and live in the joy of God. And the way that you do that is listening to instruction and trusting the Lord. We must be corrected in order to prosper. We must be corrected in order to live in the joy of God. It's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Chapter 29, verse 1, says like this. Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. That's a heavy one. Let it sink in. Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Wow. How many are saying, okay, Jesus, I want to love criticism now. I want to love discipline now. I would rather not be destroyed beyond recovery. Let's be a people who are open to the Lord's correction. I want to jump back to Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 5. Now, let me be clear. A lot of you probably have verses 5 and 6 memorized, or you've heard it a lot before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take, or other versions say he will make your path straight. You might have it memorized in the King James or in the uh, in New International Version or whatever, but th th that's a part that a lot of people listen to. But verses 7 and 8 are a continuation of the concept, and I want you to hear these. Don't be impressed 
with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, everybody read verse 8 with me. What does it say? Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Did you know that you living a life of accepting criticism, of accepting correction from the Lord, no matter how he brings it and who he brings it through, will actually bring healing to your body. Some of you today might even be sick in your body because you have yet to receive the correction of the Lord. What are you talking about? I remember hearing the story, not just hearing it, reading it, because I've read multiple of her books. The founder of the Foursquare denomination, Amy Semple McPherson, who in a time of her life was rejecting the call of the Lord to go into ministry. And because she was rejecting the call of the Lord, she recounts in her story, she ended up deathly ill in the hospital at the point of death, was about to die. And the Lord spoke to her and basically said, you will come out of this if you accept what I've told you to do. And so she knew she literally had a life and death decision to make. Either I will follow the voice of the Lord or I will die in this bed. And when she said yes to what the Lord was telling her to do. He healed her body. My friends, there is supernatural work that happens when we are open to the correction of God again, no matter how he brings it, no matter who he brings it through. But when we are willing to say yes to the ways of Jesus and what he is calling us to, he can heal our bodies. He can do it. Give strength to our bones. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons that you wake up tired every day is because there's some areas, maybe, I'm not accusing, I'm not saying it is. There's some of it is just, no, it's sickness and we believe God to do a supernatural work to heal. But, but maybe for some people, that tiredness, that sickness, that brokenness in your body is related to not saying yes to some things that the Lord is wanting to do in you. And that the healing will come when you say yes to him and his ways. I wouldn't accuse anybody of that, but the Holy Spirit, if that's you, will reveal that to you if that's what's going on. But I want to be whole in body, in spirit, in soul, in every way. Does anybody else want to be whole as well? And we will be whole when we are willing to accept the correction of the Lord. Chapter 6, verses 23 to 24 says the following. For their command is a lamp, and their instruction a light. The, the, this is actually really interesting. I, I was reading this and I, I, I immediately went to Psalm 119.105, which says, your word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. Then I went and I looked it up in the Hebrew just to double check it and found that Solomon here uses the exact same words that are found in Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. In other words, in other words, King David, who writes about God's word being a lamp to his feet and a light to his path, his son Solomon, who wrote Proverbs chapter 6 and most of the Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, remembered that teaching from his father. And he brings it right back into here. And he says, their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you. And here he's talking about the the, the, the wisdom of the fathers teaching their children. It will keep you, my son, from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. This, this was important for Solomon to teach his kids, especially his, his men, his boys, because one of them was going to become king someday, and they needed to understand the temptations that were going to be laid out before them as they walked forward in life. They needed to have this word. Everybody say the word discernment. They needed to be able to understand the ways of God so much that they would be discerning of the things of this world that would come after them and try to remove them from God's plans for their lives. You know, there's a lot of people that are very smart in this world. I also, besides pastoring, many of you know, work in higher education. I teach, and, and, and in that world, there's a whole lot of smart people. But it is very different to be smart than to be wise, to be intelligent than to be discerning. And I'll, I'll sit in meetings sometimes, and, and professors will give these, these teachings on these concepts, some of them biblical concepts, some of them other concepts in education, and, and they bring these teachings, and I'm sitting there going, wow, these people are smart. What? How did they do that? How did they figure that out? I have no idea. But I'd rather be dumb and wise than to be smart and a fool. You know, wisdom and discernment is not based off of the amount of money you have. It's not based off of your position or title. The CEO of the company could be the least wise person and the janitor at 10 o'clock at night could be the wisest one in the building. It's not based off of position, title, money, opportunities. It is based off of, and we believe this, and I just preach this, Jesus is wisdom. It is based off of Jesus. And if we would be open to Jesus, we would become wise and discerning. And I say all of this because in chapter 8, verses 12 to 13, it is said, I 
wisdom. Let me stop right here. Let me stop right here. Because in the first verse of chapter 8, the author, King Solomon, says, listen as wisdom calls out. One more time, I'm going to ask the question, who is wisdom? Jesus is wisdom. So, so Solomon is saying, listen as wisdom calls out. And then all of a sudden, we jump to verse 12, and wisdom calls out. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. That word judgment is also being prudent. I know where to discover knowledge and what? Discernment. I know where to find them. And he goes on, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. And then in verse 14, it's not on the screen. He says, common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. This is wisdom talking. Remember this. God says common sense belongs to me. Strength belongs to me. Insight belongs to me. Success belongs to me. It all belongs to me. And if we want any of that, then we go to the one it belongs to. Proverbs, just two more passages and then I'm done. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 9 to 11. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Similar to chapter 1, verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Everybody read verse 11 with me. Let's read it. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Read it one more time. Wisdom will multiply your days and will add years to your life. Multiply your days. You, you see, God is a God of quantity and quality. He gives us more days and he gives us better days. And so our God, who is a God of abundant life, if we would fear him, if we would stand to be corrected by him, no matter, once again, who he uses to correct us, then we would have years added to our lives. And they would be good years that are added to our lives. Last verse, before I invite you to stand up, chapter 25, verse 12 says this. To one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. I wanted to end with this one because I want the Lord to so work on my heart that I would look at correction like I look at gold. That when I see correction, when I hear correction, I would perceive that as gold in my life. I'd be like, bring it on. I need more gold in my life.
I'll take as much as I can get. How many want the Lord to do that type of work in your heart? Oh, Jesus, change us, change us today. And so with that, I got another verse I want to share, but after you stand with me, so would you stand with me in this moment? And as I come to the end of this message, and as we begin to move into a time of communion that my brother, Pastor Jordan, is going to lead us in, I was thinking about this earlier today. That when we come to communion with the Lord, we are, of course, number one, honoring Him for that which He has done for us. His body broken and His blood shed for us. But, but there's a second aspect, and it's the aspect of application, of understanding that the same sacrifice Jesus did, we are called to make. Not for salvation, because we are already saved by His grace. How many say amen to that? Not by our works, no, but His work for us. But as believers who desire to walk forward with Him, we understand that the Lord's work in our lives, the work of forming us, happens through sacrifice. It happens through difficulty. It happens through pain. And we have these interesting verses about Jesus that allow us to think about Jesus, but to also think about us. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, it says this, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. This brings us to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus' arrest, where he is pleading with God and he's saying, if there is another way, could you take this cup from me? And he was pleading with the Lord with tears and a loud cry. And it says, and God heard his prayers. God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. So did God hear Jesus when Jesus was praying in the garden? Yes. But did God give Jesus what Jesus asked for? No. That tells us something. We've got a God who listens, but he also knows the right path for us and sometimes does not always give us exactly what we ask for. And then it says this, hear this, this is the key verse, even though Jesus was God, God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. And in the same way, you and I learn obedience to God from the things we suffer. Not the easy things, the difficult things, 
Not when everybody praises you and says, you're amazing. You're so incredible. Oh, the Lord bless you. No, we learn it when we're being corrected, when we're broken, when we're suffering. We learn what it means to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, today, as we come together as the church, as we pray together, we believe in you and we are so thankful for what you did and how you suffered on the cross as we come to communion today. But Lord Jesus, we also understand that it is our call as well that we learn obedience through suffering and difficulty and sacrifice. So today, Lord Jesus, would you do the work in our hearts that only you can do. Would you change us? Would you transform us? And would you make us more like you? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many can say amen? Let's sing this together right now.